So welcome back to South Florida Sundays. It's Sharina, and joining me today is MD and psychiatrist Dr. Elsie Ohms from the Palm Beach Children's Hospital at St. Mary's and the Delray Medical Center. Now today we're going to be talking about the importance of mental health. Good morning, Dr. Ohms, and thank you so much for joining me today. I hope that you're prepared because this is a subject that is near and dear to me and I have so many questions for you. Sounds good. No problem. So, Dr. Ohms, uh, first, can you explain the significance of Mental Health Month and why it's so important to spread the message? Um, I'm very glad we're celebrating Mental Health uh, Month. It's it's important because, first of all, awareness spreads the right kind of information, the yes. information we want out there. There's, there's a lot of misinformation, which we all know leads to stigma and a lot of other issues we can talk about. But uh, this is kind of kind of counteracting that. It helps spread the right information. It helps people feel more comfortable talking about mental health, which is which is another thing that that we've been struggling with. Uh, it's difficult. It's a difficult topic to bring up in general. Yeah. And with this month, we can not only facilitate that communication, but we're also celebrating the advances we've already made up until now. Yes, all very important points. Now. Before we get any deeper into this, can you kind of describe to me your definition of um, mental health? What does it embody? So uh, mental health is, for some reason, we've separated it from our physical health. Mm. But it, it's health. It's health in general. Mental health is tightly integrated with our physical health. It has to do with our emotions, with our thoughts, with our behavior. And so, uh, unfortunately, um, unconsciously, a lot of times, one of the biggest fears that people have is losing their mental health. Mm-hmm. We don't realize it, but that's a, that's a very big fear we all carry. So it, that is another factor that contributes to making it a difficult topic to talk about. But, but this is exactly why we have to counteract that and bring even more awareness and highlight even more. Right. So with that said, though, um, what are some physical signs that you may notice in someone else or maybe even in yourself that your mental health is sort of uh, suffering? So, yes, it's very important to keep uh, regular checkups on yourself, on your mental health. So just take breaks throughout the day and just recognize and try to analyze how you're feeling about things. Mm-hmm. And when things are going unnoticed, uh, at least about how you're feeling, you can look at things that are external. Have you noticed any changes in the way you react, in the way you normally uh, respond to things, changes in your routines? changes in in your schedules or even changes as to your physical um, basic needs. Like if you are changing the amount of hours you sleep, either more or less hours, if you're changing your appetite, your concentration, even your energy, all of those things can be directly related to your mental health situation. Yeah, I had to notice in myself that anytime I get nervous or anxious, I start fiddling with a piece of jewelry that I'm wearing. Right. And people sometimes don't relate that to your emotions. Um, what are some things that could cause some stress uh, to your mental health? Uh, th- there's a lot of things. So stress is an external factor, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's something that happens outside of our bodies and our minds, sometimes in, in our bodies too, that leads to the emotion of either anxiety, dread, fear, apprehension. Right. So that way we describe that as stressful. But it's, it's your response and, and, and it is the way your body in particular response. So it's important to recognize it and personalize it to how every person reacts to and feels stress differently. And then from there, you take on treating it and approaching it. 
Um, let's talk about the COVID-19 pandemic, because I feel like regardless of how anyone handled it, the pandemic, it, it brought out a lot of things, money issues, loss, feeling loss. Um, what are some strategies individuals can use to like cope on what's going on with their stress and uncertainty? So we have general strategies that in general prove to be very helpful, but it's always important to uh, personalize your own coping skills and strategies so you can have them handy and ready when you start to, to come across these types of stressors. Um, but in general, you, um, people should be aware that exercise, different types of exercises too, uh, are important for emotions. So some people uh, get relief and feel better or improvement when they're doing um, type of cardio work or we're doing um, muscle exercises, re- resistance, and then other people benefit more from relaxation exercises like yoga, any, anything that's Pilates, anything that's more reducing anxiety. Um, other things that you can do in general that improve or reduce stress would be to keep journals. Mm-hmm. Some people respond well by having uh, a relief through channeling, channeling what they're thinking or what they're feeling. And if it's not journaling, it could also be singing. It could also be mm-hmm. instruments. It could also be dance. It depends on the person. But definitely have a channel of how to express what you're feeling. So how do you feel about taking uh, mental health days or vacations? Uh, that should, I wish that this is why mental health month is so important that people highlight how important that is. They, they should be increased in the amount of time we take. They should be approved easier. People should request them more often, you know, and that's very different from the resistance we get sometimes that people think taking mental health days is a sign of weakness yes. or it's something that can be easily abused and, and, and it's totally the opposite. It's it's raising awareness would facilitate everybody highlighting it and recognizing it. Now the way we approach it is what we need to correct so that it doesn't get abused and it gets treated correctly. How often uh, would you say that someone would need to step back or maybe take that mental health day? So that's also very personalized, you know, because some people sadly bottle up their emotions. They don't mm-hmm. seek help. Yeah. And by the time they, they do speak out and they need the mental health days or the time off, it's already so severe what they're suffering that they're going to need a prolonged, you know, time away from mm-hmm. everything. It doesn't have to be necessarily work. It could be family. It could be other stressors going on. Um, but in general, uh, as long as you're ch- doing your own self-check-ins, you can also request short, frequent Uh, days, mental health days off to prevent anything from happening or getting worse. So it would be on a case by case basis. Yeah. And as we explained earlier, um, you know, it's there's a stigma about uh, taking mental health days. So let's say you have a boss or maybe a family member who just doesn't get it. How would you say someone could go about maybe uh, talking to them or explaining why they need that time? Well, the first thing is to understand where they're coming from. Like I said earlier, there's so much misinformation that people sometimes unintentionally can say hurtful things or react the wrong way. So, um, you know, uh, recognizing it, accepting it, but definitely not ignoring it. Always stand up for yourself, stand up for your needs and your mental health needs as much as you need to. But do it in a way that's not confrontational. What you need to do is give them the right type of information and then also explain how this will be beneficial, not just for yourself, but for everyone around you. And so have a plan. Let them know, you know, this this is what I intend to use that time for and this is what I'm expecting. And you always let them know I could be under the supervision of a qualified professional that can monitor this and can give you information. Um, a lot of people always request time off saying, I don't want anyone to know that it's for mental health. But that's in more places of employment that's getting more accepted and and even um, offered. 
um, on a startup basis. Yeah. So don't be afraid to say it's mental health. But if you need to, it's fine. You can even approach it through a general doctor sometimes. Primary care doctors are now more open to treating mental health. And if that facilitates the treatment, it's fine, as long as you approach it and address it somehow. And speaking of stigma, there's also another stigma about seeing therapists. A lot of people think that seeing a therapist is for people who are suffering from severe mental decline or maybe that is some sort of weakness. What would you say to those people who think like that or believe the common misconceptions? Yes, it's something that needs to be challenged. Um, You know, it's not just that it's, well, the the fact that people think that it's a weakness is something that's gone around for generations, portrayed like that in the media. Absolutely. it's, It's something that's going to be very hard to undo. Um, so that would just be like, like we said, by raising awareness and being persistent on, on what it is, on explaining it and spreading out the right kind of information to undo that damage. Um, but the other barrier to seeking the mental health um, is believing that not only that it's a stigma, but that it's going to count against you, that people mm. will use that as a weapon or mm. that there's going to be some type of negative consequence. So that's actually less and less every day. There's not denying that that has happened in the past, especially uh, before. But now people are very understanding. You know, people have employed, they fear that they're not going to get the right kind of work or that they need to report it. But mm-hmm. mental health is just as private as medical health. It's protected health information. And you don't necessarily have to bring it up except under certain circumstances. And when you do, it is okay to have a mental illness. As long as you're in treatment and as long as you're following the recommendations, you shouldn't be retaliated against for having that condition just like any other condition. And I think that there are also a lot of people out there who don't feel like they qualify to see a therapist because maybe they'll have an anxiety attack, but it's every once in a while. Or maybe they suffer some sort of depression, but it's you know goes away right away. What would you say to those people who don't feel like they need to seek any kind of uh, help? Yes, that's another big misconception, unfortunately. So it's not to pathologize uh, every emotion that we have or every feeling. That's not what we're looking for. It's actually the opposite. We need to normalize those emotions. It's okay to be anxious, to be Mm -hmm. fearful, to be angry, just as it is to be happy and and joyful. Uh, What's not okay is to ignore it. So even though you may have reacted with anger and you're noticing that it's a change in your behavior, it's happening more often or or with stress or anxiety, you do have to intervene because it can progress, it can get worse, and not everyone can tolerate it the same way. Not to mention how those small reactions affect you physically. Every time you're having one of those emotional outbursts, uh, there's a lot of changes that are going on in your body. And it's detrimental, you know, changes in your pulse, in your blood pressure, in your stress levels, in your sleep, cortisol. So a lot of changes that we can actually measure happen when you have these emotions. So this is why you don't ignore it. Um, And this is why when you start to observe it and treat it. Right. And as we continue to develop and our bodies continue to develop, we experience changes, especially mentally. Can we talk a little bit about that? Because I know a lot of mental health disorders often go undiagnosed or untreated, and that might be a reason why. What are some of the warning signs or red flags that um, individuals or loved ones should look for? So, um, like you said, as you go developing throughout time, you may react differently to same levels of stress. I, also, that's another thing I frequently hear when people say, well, I, I used to be able to tolerate this stress at work or yeah. to tolerate a breakup very well, so I should be okay, even though this time is different. No, it's not, because with time, we know that there's a cumulative effect. Every time you have a different episode of depression or anxiety, especially if it goes untreated, it gets harder and harder to treat and harder and harder to recover from. 
Right, right. And how would you say we um, would support someone who's struggling with their mental health? No, no, that's fine. Well, it's important because we, like you said, sometimes come up with people that don't want the help. And it's very difficult to approach that if we don't do it in the right way. The first thing is to avoid saying the wrong things. You know, not saying, um, not seeing it as a weakness, not saying, oh, just get over it. Not saying, not asking them, why are you so emotional? Those are common things that people say they don't realize can be very hurtful. Yeah. So, right. So the first thing is to just meet them, even if they don't want the help at the moment, regularly remind them that when they are ready, you will be there. Facilitate um, them opening up, saying maybe some of the things you've struggled with or people that you know you struggle that have struggled with that, you know, helps them feel a little bit more identified and valued. Letting them know that it's okay, that it's not who they are, it doesn't define them, which is another big problem we have. If, mm-hmm. if you have a mental health condition, people think that people are going to be judged or defined just by that, and that's yes. only a small part of who we are as humans. So if you let remind them of these things, it's going to be easier for them to open up and then even hopefully go and get the help they need. I know you mentioned it a little earlier, but could you speak specifically to the patient client's privilege because what might be stopping some people from seeking help is the fear that what they're speaking about with their doctors or health professional might get out somehow. Right. So any questions you have about that, you can make an appointment or a consultation, be, you know, just to get the right information from the right professional mm-hmm. about it. There are certain positions, obviously public health positions or, or, or other jobs that they will require more in-depth information about any medical or mental health condition in general. There shouldn't be any different. Uh, but for the majority of them, you would, if you are in treatment and you are stable, all you need to provide is proof of that, okay? And then as far as what you need to report, everything needs to be reported with your consent because it's a, it's a health condition and it's protected by law. And in certain circumstances, it even has even more protection when it comes to mental health. So it's important that you get the details pertaining to your case with the professional you're going to see. Oh, okay. And Dr. Ohms, at your practice, what are some of the things that you and your staff members do to help further a patient along in their journey? So uh, first of all, it's providing a very welcoming and private environment because the system right now is in crisis. It's struggling. There's not a lot of providers. So a lot of people turn, get either get turned away or just turn away on their own when they see that appointments are far away, when mm. they see that the system can be disorganized or that they don't feel that it's reliable. But we, we have to somehow work within that because it's what we have available at the moment. Um, so what we do is try to explain that to patients in, in, in whatever setting we're in because in my practice we work in hospitals, we work in the outpatient office, we even do telehealth. And we hear the complaints, constant complaining, you know, I can't get through or I'm not treated fast enough or the medications are expensive or there's so many barriers. So one of the things we do is try to ease that for them and work with it and not against it. So the most important thing is not dropping out, not turning away, bringing everyone in with as best we can for now until somehow we get a system that works for everybody. And for those who may not have any access to professional health, what are some like alternative resources or support networks? Right. So if you can't get the help that you're looking for that you need at the moment, still don't give up. Get what you what you do have available to you. A lot of people don't know that reaching out to others around you is very helpful. Just not being alone, not being isolated is helpful. 
it depends on the person, but some people do very well with religious groups, and mm-hmm. these organizations offer a lot of services and therapists and volunteer people that, that could be available. Community uh, clinics, uh, community clinics are, you can find them online. There's a lot of information. Sometimes even going to the Social Security office, they can tell you what mental health services are in your zip code or around. Um, and definitely online. Online we have a lot of reliable sites that through NAMI, government websites, even university websites where they can tell you different resources in your area. Um, and then lastly, you can use the phone. The phone is available especially for crisis situations, 211 through United Way can, can give you locally where you can go information about that. Um, for crisis situations, especially in the younger population, they can text the 988 line. Um, there's 741741 text. So there's, there's plenty of options as far as communication online. And does your practice work with uh, people who maybe just feel like they can't afford um, to see a therapist? Of course, most practices do that, thankfully, nowadays. So mm-hmm. we definitely know um, insurance issue coverage is a big problem also right now. Um, for cash payments, a lot of places will help you as far as a sliding scale, depending on your income. And then there are even community clinics that help when you have very limited finances or no insurance. And, and even those are available right now. So wow. it's just a matter of getting the information out there. How can listeners contact you in your office or find out more information? So our office is called Psychiatric Specialty Center, and we are available through our private offices, but we also work in the hospitals you mentioned earlier at Delray Medical Center, St. Mary's uh, Medical Center for children as well, and um, a lot of tenant hospitals, Good Sam Hospital also. So we can't be reached through the office through those hospitals or even the emergency rooms. We could be available for mental health. Yeah, you guys are everywhere. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dr. Ohms, I think we learned so much today. Thank you so much for joining me and sharing your message. Okay, you're welcome. Thank you for spreading the good word. <laughs>